Good morning. Would you please join me in the prayer for illumination? Refresh our lives, O God, through the hearing of your word. Quiet our hearts and open our minds to what your spirit would say today. Amen. Our scripture this morning is found in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 6. But when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is present in that place. Your Father, who sees what you do in secret, will reward you. When you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words <clears throat> as the Gentiles do. They think that by saying many words, they'll be heard. Don't be like them, because your Father knows what you need even before you ask. So pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but, dis but rescue us from the evil one. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we continue our sermon series about uh, being packed for the journey. Uh, we've been using uh, Henry Nowen's uh, book, um, Making All Things New, which is um, available for uh, Kindle, it's uh, in print, a wonderful, concise book um, that, uh, that you could read or, or listen to in 45 minutes. Uh, really a wonderful uh, piece. Uh, you might remember that uh, Nowen writes the book at the request of his students. He's a seminary professor. Um, and his students want uh, some idea of what is it like to live the life of a disciple. Um, he says, uh, if we've accepted Jesus, what's next? And so this is his answer to what's next. Now, if you remember along the way, uh, we first talked about how uh, Nowen says that our lives are both busy and bored, that we brag about our busyness, we almost uh, brag about how little sleep we get, how hard we work, how many, num uh, how many hours we work uh, in the week, and how many weeks of vacation we've avoided taking because we're just that busy. He also talks about how our calendars are filled, but that our lives are unfulfilled, uh, that we are um, stuck in this strange place of doing so many things, but none of them really bringing meaning or purpose to our lives. He then goes on to describe Jesus as being busy, but not bored. Um, Jesus was busy, but busy about one thing. Um, he was busy about his father's uh, kingdom. And so you see him throughout scripture, now and tells us healing and casting out demons, teaching, uh, making a difference in people's lives. But there's this rhythm in Jesus's life, a rhythm that includes solitude and community. Uh, when uh, Nowen tells his students about how best to live the life of the spirit, of being uh, kind of swept up in the spirit and about the kingdom's business, he says the two tools that you have 
are solitude and community. And so we get stories of Jesus uh, having spent the day um, uh, there uh, uh, healing in the town. The next morning, his uh, disciples have to find him out, um, out by the seaside praying or up in the mountains seeking solitude. Or even we have that story in the beginning of his ministry where uh, Satan drives him out into the desert and he is there fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights. That, that you get this rhythm with Jesus. That solitude is important. We talk about uh, being packed for the journey. It's uh, how do we pack for the journey of life in such a way that we're not worried about A, carrying our baggage around with us, or B, that we didn't pack everything that we needed. Um, the hope, ah, there it is. The hope that, is that we move in such a way from a life of worry into a life in the spirit. Nowen talks about this in terms of absurdity. Our lives being busy and bored all at the same time feel very absurd. And, and God calls us to be obedient. We talked about obedience last week. Does it come from duty or does it come from joy? And we know that the way that we move between the two is through a spiritual discipline. Now, that's certainly not a very exciting thing to say, right? You're probably saying, come on, preacher, can you say something that's a little bit more sizzle and a little less steak? Uh, discipline just, you know, it's kind of like obedience, right? Who's writing your sermons, preacher? Come on, make it a little bit more exciting. But really, that's the way that we move from that life of worry to that life in the spirit. You remember the video that we had last week uh, where Elizabeth Rowland talked to us about how she packed her bag for the, um, uh, the, um, uh, the, the 11-month um, race, where she's, the world race, there we go, always helpful for me to remember the details, um, and she had to pack a bag that had to be under 50 pounds that would have everything that she needed for a whole year. Do you remember the little cubes that she had, that she packed? Um, she would put all of her clothes in one cube, and she'd put all of something else in another cube, and uh, they could be kind of um, cinched down to take up uh, as little room as possible, and then she'd slip them into her bag. And so she never had to look for where her clothes were. They were always right there in that particular cube. I'd be willing to say that to pack for the journey, to be well packed for the journey, means including at least two cubes, one cube being solitude and the other cube being community. Next week, we'll talk about community, but let's spend some time about solitude. Our scripture passage, Jesus says, when you pray, what a great place to begin, church, when you pray. So what is your habit, rhythm, commitment, discipline for prayer? There's one author I love, she has a book uh, entitled Prayer, Three Kinds, Help, Thanks, and Wow. Which one of those are you most likely to pray? I, I know for me, it's often the help, right? Um, I call them arrow prayers. It's when the DPS officer pulls behind you and you've been trying to make up time and then you remember you don't have the registration uh, sticker on the front of your windshield and you just pray, dear Lord, let him be distracted by someone else. <laughs> you, you don't pray that. <laughs> All right. Help. 
Help is that um, cry, right? Hopefully our cries for help become more uh, substantial than just trying to avoid uh, the traffic violation that we've been uh, committing for the last month. Thanks. I find those moments of thankful prayers, not just around a meal, though that's important. Um, uh, and, and I encourage folk not just to pray at home over meals, but to pray out in a restaurant over meals. I cannot tell you how moving it is to be there in a restaurant and to see a family or a group of um, uh, folk who have met for a meeting uh, taking time to give thanks for the meal that's in front of them. But there's more to say thanks than just a meal. I have those moments, we, we call them at our house, uh, those moments where uh, that's how I thought it would be. It's that moment right after Thanksgiving dinner when everybody was there. And not every year is everybody there. Uh, it's, a, it's a private, uh, internal, just inside my heart to God th- to just say thanks. That, that's how I thought it would be. You've had those moments. Sometimes it's, um, you know, you're driving into work early and you see the sunrise and it's just beautiful and you say, thanks. That's how I always thought it would be. There's those moments, milestones, but also the many stones. It's not just about graduations and weddings and funerals, but it's also about those moments where it just made sense. You knew you were the right person at the right moment at the right time kind of bleeds into the wows. Wows tend to catch me like a wave coming in at the beach and I wasn't watching. <sighs> Prayers of wow. Wow, God, I cannot imagine that you're able to do all that you've done in the moment. Jesus says when you pray. So how often do you pray? Maybe it's time to take that next step and to move up from just an occasional arrow prayer of help to some thankfulness and amazement at what God's doing in your life. Now, um, before we get to this, Jesus does say, when you pray, go into your uh, 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 room, shut the door, and pray to your Father in secret. Yes, very good. But also remember that secret or solitude, places of quiet, um, can sometimes end up being places of activity, right? Um, I often find that when I go sailing, I find myself in a time of prayer because I am in a silent place, no motor, just the wind. So I I appreciate that some introverts need a real room, uh, but some of us who are geared for something else might need to be outside of that room. When you pray, don't pour a flood of empty words. I love these moments when we finally decided that we can no longer do it ourselves and we better ask for some help. And so we start from the very beginning with God. Okay, God, I, I, I know it, it's a big mess. Um, but you remember when I was 10, this and this and that happened. And then when that happened, this happened. And when that happened, this happened. It's as if we've never known that God has been walking with us our whole lives and knows our story better than we know it ourselves. We think we have to kind of justify uh, ourselves before we ask for help because, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's like, it's like those uh, uh, high school reunion moments, right? Um, you know, I know I haven't talked to you since the 10th uh, high school reunion, and this is the 20th, and 
Seems odd that I think you're a really important friend, but ten years have gone by since we've talked. You know, God's not a distant friend. God's right there. He doesn't need empty words. He just needs for you to decide that it's time to listen and to pray. So Jesus says, pray like this. I I, I really, um, as a preacher, I think often about how you teach people to pray. Um, uh, The way that we, uh, that LM uh, teaches the children to pray, right? You know the words. um, With praying hands and praying eyes, repeat after me. I have this secret hope that the Aramaic in the text that we're reading today is actually Jesus saying to the disciples, okay, everybody praying hands, you're supposed to smile right now, praying eyes and repeat after me. It's kind of a hard uh, thing to teach someone to pray, um, for someone to know that it's not some random, isolated action of sitting still and talking to yourself. No, you're, you're addressing uh, the creator of all. Uh, Jesus says, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven. What a great way to describe. You, y'all have heard that the Greek there is really more of an Abba uh, than a patriarch, that this is daddy as opposed to father. Now, I imagine that uh, there are enough perceptions about our parents in this room as there are people. But for some of us, our parents were um, amazing monuments to um, virtue and ethics and responsibility, that they were everything you could ever want in a parent. And then there are some of us who have had uh, parents who've just never, ever measured up. I think praying to God as Father is a way to find a place in the middle. If you can't measure up, Hey, look, God still loves you. And if you've never had that father figure, God says, here, I'll be it for you. Notice that in the Lord's Prayer, we, uh, we ask for the daily bread. We talk about uh, being forgiven for the things we've done wrong. We ask God not to lead us into temptation, but to rescue us from evil. I love that word, rescue. And then, um, uh, as Protestants, we continue with um, uh, words about God's sovereignty and about the kingdom of God. But what a great daily discipline for prayer. You remember last week I talked about how you can't become a black belt in Taekwondo by just showing up at one workshop, checking the box, paying for the belt, and walking out. It takes discipline and repetition and engagement that it could be a, 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 a multiple-year effort to rise in a particular discipline. Let's say the same thing is true for our faith life. That if we're willing to do certain things over and over again to become an Eagle Scout, or over and over again to become a Black Belt, or whatever work that you're doing, isn't it true that the same is about our spiritual life? That this is a great regimen, a a circuit exercise, an opportunity. I mean, you know, CrossFit stole our really good image, right? CrossFit. Maybe this is our CrossFit. Now one says that the desire for solitude is often the first sign of prayer. But if you're like me, sometimes that desire for solitude is really far out. For for me, the, the stillness 
that I have to get for solitude is a little bit terrifying. Anybody terrified of that stillness? That, that, that when we start to get still, those voices kind of come and start working on us. Um, you know, Jesus understood that it was important to be away from others. Uh, Jake's going to take away the remote because I clearly can't work it. Often we avoid solitude because of, we fear our own inner chaos. Uh, we have a phrase at our house, uh, mental tidiness. Uh, can anybody appreciate that? It's not just good to have a, a bed that's made up. It's not just good to have a house that's picked up. It's good to have a mind that is tidy, that can set some worries aside, that can engage with the spirit, that can be clear about boundaries. That solitude sometimes terrifies us. It's not just being alone. Uh, solitude is actually being present to God. It's creating some inner space and some quietness so that you can hear not all the voices that are going on, but that you can hear the one voice that made you, that created you, that redeemed you, and sustains you. Let's be honest, Elijah does not hear the voice of God in the rush of the wind or of the, um, um, the violence of the earthquake. He, he, he hears it where? In that still, small voice of solitude. If that's true for Elijah, how much more is it true for us? Most of us have voices. Now, I'm not talking about being schizophrenic. Um, we have voices, our own, our parents, our bosses, our rivals. And these people don't have to be alive, right? Parents can be long off into eternity and you still hear their voice in the back of your head saying, yeah, you better mow the yard, it's the weekend, right? Or you hear your rival telling you that you're not enough. Those voices are distractions that uh, attempt to clutter up our solitude. How do you mute the other voices? I can tell you for the last 15 years, I've muted the other voices in this way. Uh, when finding a time of solitude, I, I commit to it. And, and when a distraction comes, because I was ADD before ADD was cool, it'll come. I, I acknowledge the distraction. Um, say, uh, Lexi, the office professional, needs the newsletter article. I remember that I haven't done the newsletter article. I thank God for an office professional that reminds me to do the work I need to do and the opportunity to impact other people through written word. And then I ask for God to quiet the distraction. And then I go back to seek God in solitude. I mean, it's, it's not really fancy. There's no Yoda kind of Mr. Miyagi moment here. It really comes down to being focused and just asking God to take care of the distraction. I want to encourage you to think about treating solitude as a discipline. Uh, solitude, like a discipline, like anything else you do. Think about the things that you really love and you really focus in. Uh, some of you are uh, preparing for hunting season, and it is such an important thing. Uh, others are um, 
praying deeply for the Texans to have a meaningful season, right? Um, some of you um, follow uh, politics with great intention and purpose. Others are planning their retirement or looking into hobbies uh, or investing in those around you. I wonder if we treated solitude as highly and important as we do uh, sharing the pictures of our grandkids. Oh, you're not going to laugh. Is that preaching to meddling, I guess? What if we um, took the same type of intention? Now and has some suggestions about how uh, to make a life of prayer uh, and solitude. Uh, he says, first, put it in black and white. That means write it on the calendar. Give it a spot, an hour's worth of time. The things that we value, we put on our calendar. The things that we don't, we hope to get to. So make it in black and white. I had a, a colleague um, in ministry uh, who had an 8 a.m. appointment every morning with Mr. Wesley. That would be Mr. John Wesley. That was the way he uh, kind of put it on the calendar to keep people away. Because you surely didn't want to interrupt the pastor if he was with Mr. Wesley. Now it says, um, have a space and a place where solitude happens for you. Uh, I had a spiritual director that in her parsonage, um, she had made this reading nook that was just wonderful. It had candles and incense and like that, that big like um, circular looking thing that you get from one world in, uh, uh, market and you lay in it and you just kind of disappear. Um, she said that it was so wonderful, that niche where she was going to be in solitude with God, that she would pass it during the day and think, I get to be with God tomorrow right there. Do you have a space and a place for solitude? I want to stress that solitude isn't about having, um, you know, uh, being retired, right? Some folks say, well, I'll get to that when I'm older. Um, solitude isn't about, um, you know, waiting for the summer to come because the school year is so hard. Solitude isn't about having, um, you know, um, some cushy pastor job where you travel to Seattle during the week, right? Uh, having solitude really comes down to putting it in black and white, having a space and a place, and deciding that it's important to do it. I found solitude this week on a four and a half hour plane flight from Houston to Seattle, Tacoma. Was I alone? No, the plane was full. But I put on my earplugs, I pulled out my Kindle, and I allowed God to speak in that inner space while I traveled. What did I hear? I hear things that are really important, like, uh, oh, let's take scripture. Um, um, I'm sure that if you found solitude, you'd hear this too from God. Um, you are my son, my daughter, with whom I'm well pleased. You might hear words from the Psalms, um, 139, I, I knit you together in your mother's womb. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. I treasure what you do. Maybe what you hear in solitude is that reminder that in the 23rd Psalm, right, the shepherd leads us beside uh, green pastures and still waters that restore our souls. Solitude allows us to dump out all that stuff we've been carrying in our bags, thinking that we need it, and instead fill up our bag with just those two things, solitude and community.
I want to uh, encourage you today. Make some black and white commitments for solitude this week. Decide on a space and a place where you'll meet God. Because God's not far off. He's right there, waiting to hear from you, waiting to remind you of the beauty and the hope and the purpose he has for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.